Welcome to the Chicago Business Review, where we introduce you to some of the most successful and sharpest minds from my hometown, Chicago, so that you can find out the secrets that have helped these professionals achieve massive success. If you want to accelerate your growth in your personal and professional life so that you can do more, have more, give more, and ultimately live the life you've always desired, then sit back and stay tuned in because you are in the right place. I'm your host, Young Lee, and you are listening to the Chicago Business Review. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Chicago Business Review. I am Young Lee, your host, and I am so excited, so excited to bring on this week's guest. He is an amazing entrepreneur in the city of Chicago, Thad Wong, we are bringing on this week. He is the co-founder and co-CEO of At Properties with his business partner, Mike Golden. They started at properties in 2000 and have grown it to the 10th largest real estate brokerage by sales volume in that short period of time. That also is married to an amazing real estate professional and is the father of four beautiful children. I don't know how he does it all, but we are going to ask him in this episode. So please. Do me a favor and welcome our guest here this week, Thad Wong. Hey, Thad. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. One of the better introductions I've ever had. That was beautiful. Mm. I hope I can live up to your expectations. Uh, Man, you, like I I was telling you before we started recording, you are one of the people that I look up to because I'm a big proponent of mentors and coaches and just having goals in life. And so seeing you as a father of four, like myself, and then a successful entrepreneur, I've always admired you from afar. And now I get to work with you. And uh, it's been nothing but an honor. So I'm so glad to have you on. So the first question I wanted to ask you is at Properties. So you guys started it in 2000. How did you guys come up with the name? So it's funny, you know, it was in 99. And uh it was the beginning. It was we were right almost in the heart of the tech boom. Everyone was getting email and receiving more emails frequently, and email was becoming a big part of your life at that point. And we didn't have a lot of money when we were starting the company, so I wanted to come up with a name that was kind of a mnemonic device, something that we could play off of another symbol where we would get immediate marketing. So I came up with the at sign because I thought if everybody thought of us in real estate, every time they hit the at sign, that would probably be the least expensive form of marketing we'd ever create in our life. So first it started out as at home, at home properties, and then we finalized at properties. And actually when I was going down an escalator in Bloomingdale's in 99, there was this giant Christmas tree and it had at signs on all of the ornaments. And that was the confirmation to me that the at sign would be a part of our, a part of our, uh, our logo and a part of our, the name of our company. That's incredible, man. I I always thought that that was such a genius name for a real estate company. And so kudos to you guys on that. And uh, another big thing that you guys do is the love symbol. And 
how did that come about? When did that come about? I know it's so entrenched in the culture of the company now, but how did that come about? So I'm a big believer in minimalist marketing. And it's probably because the red at, you know, I like, I'm attracted to a lot of white space and I like the way images look and they become more bold when there is a lot of white space behind them. And I was in a meeting with Natasha and I said, I want to come up with a marketing campaign on a single word, a single word that everyone will love. And I was like, oh, (laughs) so it became love. And that was great because it's a big part of our culture and we knew it would add to our culture. You know, in real estate, it involves a lot of relationships and allows a lot of communication, oftentimes through negotiation at high numbers. And so it often can create and develop anxiety. So we can incorporate some love into that culture that we that we perpetuate. We feel that, you know, that will only make our industry locally and our market a little bit more smooth if we can remember that. And um, if you're going to identify with any single word, I don't know another word that you would want to identify with. I don't know of another word as meaningful than love. So we hired Matthew Hoffman to use his uh, font that he has trademarked, and then we purchased that. So we actually own his font and our logo and that word. And, you know, we look forward to spreading the love in as many markets as we can. It's awesome. Yeah. And now a day goes by when I don't drive by a car with a love magnet on it. And that feels great. It it is incredible. And it's such a simple idea. And yet it is so powerful. And what you just said there too, about like seeing the magnets on the cars and things like that, that is a testament to the amazing culture that you guys have built at this company over these 20 years. What do you think was like the biggest driving force to build a culture like that? Because I feel like in order for an organization to grow, you have to have that strong culture. Like, when did that come about? Was that like something that you and Mike talked about when starting the company? Or was that something that you guys had to figure out along the way? You know, I think our culture is a byproduct of our natural value structure and who we are as human beings. And the similarities that we have in the most important parts of being a person. So if you know Mike and you know me, you know we're about as opposite as you could possibly get, right? (laughs) You don't think if you go out for dinner, you'll probably not run into us at the same restaurants. You'll never run into us at the same clubs or the same concerts. Everything about who we are is very different. We wouldn't have been friends in high school, which has been in a lot of ways secret to our success is being able to value in the other person more than what you value in yourself. And I think that part of the humility and the appreciation is essential in a partnership. Usually partnerships dissolve because one person feels they're more valuable than the other, which in reality, one person can't do what they want to do or what they're good at without the other. So and how that transferred into our culture, because we both sold, I think that was one of the biggest differentiators between us and our competitors. We sold even after we started at Properties. We sold real estate. We blew up balloons. We hosted open house signs. There's nothing that we ask an agent to do today that we didn't do, aside from new things involving technology that weren't around when we were selling. So because we understand the challenges and difficulties of being an agent and also the reward and the prosperities and the opportunity, I think we can empathize better with our culture and our community. And that gives us an ability to communicate in a way that develops an acceptance and tolerance of one another and patience. And so 
when we started real estate, we knew developing our relationships and our reputation was crucial for the success. This is before at properties, just when we were selling, it was crucial to our success because the more real estate we sold, the more we relied on other agents to consummate deals. And so our reputation was very important to us. And we over always over serviced all of the other agents in a transaction. You know, back then we were making copies of physical contracts. We always made multiple copies, put them in beautiful folders for the appraiser, for the lender, for the buyer, for the agent. So we'd give them a big stack of everything in beautiful copies with beautiful folders. We made it as easy as possible on whomever it is we were working with. So I think that mentality where really wanting to have the best relationships possible in order to grow. You know, there's an end result in culture, right? It's the opportunity to grow and succeed. And that's the bonus about it is that if you create a culture, it also makes enjoyment. It also brings enjoyment day to day into the business place, which yields even greater success. So when people and companies poo-poo a lot of the effort that we put in into communication, valuing the individual agent, celebrating success, acknowledging success, putting a a close down on negative behavior and negative treatment and calling it out and making sure that it's stopped and protecting our agents and being there for them. I think that builds a culture of trust and appreciation. So the agents appreciate the amount of effort we put into appreciating them. And that just creates more love and keeps the wheel spinning faster and allows us to continue to grow. It also acts as a magnet because people want to be a part of that. You know, everyone wants to be valued and recognized no matter what they're doing, if they're doing 1 million or 100 million. And I think we lose sight of that, is that some of the agents doing 1 million are fabulous people, and they can account for two, three, four deals a year for other agents, and they can be incredible participants in this world of real estate transaction, residential, and acknowledging them is as important, in my opinion, as acknowledging the $100 million producer. That's Incredible. There were so many great nuggets in there about the partnership. And then, but like, really, the acknowledgement that you guys do give to the agents that work for you guys is second to none. I feel like, like, the fact that you guys have had the experience, but like, you're always acknowledging, you're always trying to give. You're always, even like during this pandemic time, I was talking to people in the office about the incredible leadership that you guys have shown during that time with Mike sending out emails almost daily, giving advice, not only in terms of how to improve your business, but how to get through this period of time, whether it's helping out with filing for different benefits or things of that nature. But like, it really shows during hard times, what good leadership is. And I just wanted to commend you guys for demonstrating that once again. And I know I had heard you talk once at a Technori conference, I believe, and you guys were talking about how when the last real estate market crashed, you guys became more aggressive and you invested more into like helping brokers succeed versus like cutting back your budget or cutting staff. And do you feel like that has helped you guys grow as well? Like just constantly looking to improve the agent experience? Yeah, a hundred percent. There are two things. One, 
when I sold, I always wanted to have the best product, right? There is an element of pride when you're selling real estate. And if another company has a better sign or another company has a better brochure or they have a better digital presentation of the home, that's embarrassing, right? If you know your client can hire somebody else and receive a better product, maybe they'll receive a different agent and maybe that agent will not be as good as you are individually. But the physical things that anybody and everybody can have, right? The the special part of being an agent is who you are as an individual and what you bring to the table. Your ability to negotiate, your ability to sell during showings, whatever your personal value proposition. That's unique and that's innate to you. But there are things that are that are standardized, right? The brochure, how about a floor plan, a video, the sign, an individual website. So those pieces to me were always crucial to have in order to stand out. I never wanted to be embarrassed because somebody else had a better sign or because somebody else had a better brochure. I never wanted a seller to say to me, well, why can't you do this and have some other company doing it? So that was, you know, a very big piece of it. You know, and and when you talked about earlier about Mike and those emails, there's an authenticity of care. Like when COVID happened, we were very nervous. We thought a lot of our agents were going to go broke. And that's what we went through in the Great Recession. I can't tell you the number of conversations I had with people on how to prevent their home from being foreclosed on and how they were trying to save and the relationship anxieties that came from it. So we treated COVID the same way that we treated the Great Recession as a sense of being prepared. So although those emails were lengthy and they were they were daily, that showed people exactly how important they were to Mike, right? And yeah. then what I also saw from COVID and what I've learned from a lot of companies and talking with them is a lot of companies did what they called right sizing during COVID. It made a great excuse to let go of a lot of staff, right? And reduce your fixed costs. So the majority of companies out there let go of a lot of staff when COVID hit, because it gave you a great excuse, right? Yeah. And they reduced their services to become more profitable because of the margin squeeze that's gone on the last couple of years. And I think that'll be their Achilles heel in the sense that that doesn't allow you to grow. When you reduce your staff to the point where you're only staffed in order to service today's demand and you're not staffed for growth, then you're going to fall behind. So I think what I saw companies doing that I thought this would be a great opportunity. And so we accelerated. A, I was at home. And so that was unique for me. And so I was able (laughs) to come up with a lot of new ideas. And I was able to do a lot of research on what was being offered there throughout the country, what companies were doing well, what they weren't, and where we could increase our value proposition as a company so our agents can distribute that to the consumer and be more competitive. So, you know, we kept everybody and continued hiring, especially in marketing and engineering. So what we're rolling out now for the end of this year and the beginning of first quarter of next year for Spring Market 21 is more physical and digital than we've ever rolled out in the history of the company. And I don't see anybody else doing that as a company because I think that they use COVID as an excuse to reduce their staff to generate greater profit. And so a lot of companies are having big revenue years, right? They collected a big PPP check or a big, uh, I can't remember the name of it, the check, stimulus check. And uh, they also simultaneously reduced or didn't uh, increase staffing. So they're kind of looking at it in a very finite finite place, like this year, how much money did we make? Instead of looking forward to increased market share and growth, which we are solely focused on increasing market share, increasing the consumer's experience. Right now, there's a lot of focus on the agent only, right? 
if you come over and work for my company, I'll give you X. That's the common theme. Never in that conversation is if you come over to my company or if you come over to this company, I'm going to increase your customer's experience by giving you this. It's all about the agent. And I think that's where the biggest miss is right now. Because if it's not about the consumer at the end of the day, and if we're not increasing the value proposition that we offer to the consumer, how can we charge the same fee year after year? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's been one of my biggest takeaways with watching you guys as leaders of this company is just always investing in the people that you're serving, whether it's the brokers or the con- at the end consumer. You guys are always trying to improve the process, always get better, always serve them better. And I know you've done a lot in terms of the at platform. That is the in-house technology that is literally second to none. I'm a part of a coaching organization and I meet top agents from all across the country and the world. And we're always comparing notes and or technology. And literally every time I show them our stuff, they're just blown away. And I'm like, before I told them, unfortunately, you're not in the Chicago market, so you can't be a part of it. But you guys recently announced that you guys will be franchising. And so now other people in other markets will have this opportunity to have this platform. I know you spent a lot of time and effort into building it. How do you stay motivated to continually grow and improve even though you've had this incredible level of success so far? Well, I think that's the obligation, right? You know, we all sign up for different relationships in life and there's an obligation that goes along with that. And how well you feel that obligation is your own personal success measure, right? I mean, if we're able to follow through with the obligation that we made to the best of our ability and provide an experience with the other person, because obligations are usually to people, and even if it's with a company, it's to the people who work for that company. That's my obligation. My obligation is to our agents. And so when you talk about staying motivated, I don't know what there would be something to get mo- more motivated for. I mean, uh, maybe to get some tickets to a sporting events when they open them up. That would be kind of cool. I'm really longing for like a Bears oh, game. Oh, man. But, you know, aside from family, family obligation, which is love and which is relationship and longevity, you know, for me, work is is the second most important thing. And the obligation of work and pride. Well, and my dad uh, gave me 12 things to remember in 1994. He wrote this. He wrote this to me. And part of it is the pleasure of working. That was number three. And number four was the success of perseverance. Right. Effort. Mm-hmm. And the fifth was the improvement of talent. Then it goes on through all of them, the wisdom of economy, the influence of example, the power of kindness, the virtue of patience, the joy of creating. All of those things involve who you are incorporated with in your work, right? You have your personal and you have your work. And work is important to me. And I love the relationships I've developed in work. I know a lot of the agents. I care about them. Even if I don't know them, I want them to succeed. So like being motivated, that's like easy. I don't, I don't, I don't know how, like if you have uh, a commitment to people uh, to do your best and you don't hate what you do, 
right? I guess that's mm-hmm. one piece of it. You have to love what you do, which I love that. And I've been afforded the pleasure of doing so many different things now. You know, I got into real estate to not get bored. Uh, <laughs> I do, couldn't stand on a line and do the same thing over and over, or I couldn't sell the same pen every day. And I wanted relationship. And so I'm now afforded to do a lot. You know, I work hand in hand with Natasha in marketing, coming up with the creative. And she's, I've been able to have the pleasure of watching her grow and develop. And we had a big announcement. She's just become our chief marketing officer. And that's yes. fabulous. So I have the pleasure of working with her and doing the creative. I had the pleasure of really coming up with a lot of the technology innovation until I got superseded by Joni Meyerowitz, who's like a <laughs> brainiac, complete nerd. <laughs> she's our nerd and she's awesome. And she had the genius of the integration process of developing platform. You know, that wasn't me. That was Joni Meyerowitz. That was Joni figuring out. We might have had the ideas and wanting to do something, but wanting to do something and being the actual person who does it is a different thing. Like, so I don't take credit for any of that because, you know, we might be the company in which it was developed underneath, but the people who actually did the work deserve that credit. So I've had the pleasure of being able to evolve in technology as well. And then also to build a training and coaching division with Kevin and now with Amy. That helps our culture by improving the agents and to give them a better opportunity to succeed, allows them to feel better about themselves. And that if in turn, if we're helping them with that, that helps our culture. So I've been given the fortunate opportunity to focus on so many different facets of the company that there's nothing I'm really not involved in. And that's allowed me to excel as a person and try to test myself and how to learn new things and stay and not get bored. You know, so I'm not bored and I really love what I do. And I, it's an obligation that I look forward to succeeding in every day, even when I make a mistake. You know, I'm not afraid of that, but it's not, I don't struggle with being motivated for work. I'm competitive. I like to look at the numbers. I believe in math. Anybody can say what they want, but math wins. And, um, you know, I like to, I like that. I just like what I do. You know, I've never, even when I, I never not wanted to go to work, you know, and also, hmm. but I think that's primarily because I love who I work with too. So when I show up at work, there's a lot of laughter, there's a lot of jokes, there's a long history and a lot of relationships and it's providing opportunity. We have a couple hundred salaried employees. We have people working here that make more than they ever thought they would make in their lives. They have the opportunity to do better you know, creating value for people personally and also financially for them to raise a family is incredibly gratifying. Yeah, I am one of those people that have the benefit because of all the thoughtfulness of you and Mike and all of the people that you mentioned providing these opportunities for us to create a better life. And so I just very appreciative of you guys because like, you know, I had my own brokerage for 10 years and I went to a different brokerage and I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. The value that you guys provide and just the culture, like all of it is exactly the way a business should be run. And even as you were talking there, the whole time you're giving acknowledgement to the other people that have helped or contributed throughout the process, which just is another testament of your great leadership. So kudos to you on that. And then you were mentioning the coaching as well. Like I am a firm believer in coaching, trying to get better each and every day. And that's 
one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast was to put that information out there for people that are looking to grow and improve. But you guys implemented this coaching for all of the agents for free. I actually pay a hefty amount of money every month. And it's, I got to say, better than the coaching that I pay for. And yet you guys just provide it as a service for all of the brokers along with the amazing technology. And so it's just such an amazing place to work for. And I don't mean for this podcast to be a uh, at properties love fest, but it really is like I've never seen an organization run so well and always innovating, always trying to grow. And it's, a lot to do with your guys's leadership. How do you think you've improved as a leader? Like, do you feel like you were born to be a leader or did you grow into the world? So when you're an only child, you're sometimes a friend of none, uh, (laughs) a one man gang. So that probably helped me when you were talking earlier about providing training and coaching for free. You know, what I was talking about earlier is that if the agent doesn't provide more to the consumer every year, you know, something has to change. Their value becomes reduced because in a capital market, you know, people are competing for the consumer and always providing more for the consumer. So if I'm going to ask the agent to provide more for the consumer every year, I'm required to provide more for the agent every year. So we have to come up with greater products, more products, better coaching, better marketing, whatever it is, we've got to continuously be improving it if we have the expectation that you are going to improve what you deliver to the consumer every year. As far as leadership, you know, I don't know. That's such a funny thing. I don't really read any books on leadership. I've never read any really? books on it. I think that there's probably lots of different forms of leadership. You know, I lead with relationship first. I feel that the closer the relationship, the more you can ask of someone, the more you can drive them, the more they want to succeed for you as well. There's mutual achievement. And I think that leadership you know, the kind of the proof is in the pudding, right? If you've been successful at doing something for a long period of time, if you are, if you, if you build the best product, if you provide the best service, whether, whatever it's a home inspection, whether it's uh, being an agent, whether it's a stager, if you become the best at that craft and then people look to you for guidance, then I think it's up to your personality. Do you have the personality that's going to be attractive to people in which they're willing to listen? Because you can't, you have to have some validity to the leadership. You have to have some understanding of the industry. You need to be well-read when it comes to the industry and knowledgeable. That creates the authenticity of the leadership. You're the master of your craft. And then I think it has everything to do with, do you have the ability to empathize with others? Sometimes people become so successful that they remove themselves from the market, right? They become their Mm -hmm. own person that's providing a service or create an opportunity and they're less approachable. But I think that those that, in my opinion, are able to uh, stay right-sized and stay grounded and remember what it was like to blow up the balloons and get the open house sign and to close a buyer. And they remember what it's like to have an appraiser kill a deal and how frustrating <laughs> that is and to have the seller blame you that their home won't sell. The longer we remember how that feels, the more we can feel and empathize with the existing agent, which I think gives us greater leadership opportunity, because I think they're more willing to listen to us if they feel that we are connected with them and we at least have a memory of what they're going through, as opposed to disregarding you know, the current state. 
Yeah, no, you guys always demonstrate that in terms of looking at it through the lens of the broker and the consumer. And it's just, it's amazing to see after all of the success that you guys still stay that grounded and still remember those times. That's also pretty shocking to me that you're, uh, yeah, that you don't read books on leadership. It's just kind of ingrained in you. I know a big factor, and you mentioned it a little bit ago, is your father and how much he's had an impact on your life. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because uh, I know he was an amazing man that uh, instilled a lot in you, especially as an only child, how valuable that relationship was. You know, that was uh, the most powerful relationship in my life. My mom is my mom, and my mom is still here. And um, But my dad was my best friend. And so when you talk about leadership, when I think of the things that uh, would be guiding principles on leadership, I think they're the same things as guiding principles on life, right? Mm -hmm. You know, how you treat people, your responsibility to care for those that can't care for themselves, the importance of humility and gratitude. Those are the elements, if you ask me, that are the foundation and the, the bind of my leadership. And all of those I learned from my father. So my dad was a, a big fan of me, but at the same time, he reminded me that uh, I need to not surround myself with people that uh, would constantly give me praise. And he would remind me of that, of just the need to remain right-sized and to be humble in heart. And, um, you know, like I can look everywhere. My dad's everywhere in my office. He's with me all the time. And he was a very compassionate person that was very loving. And if you knew my dad, you loved my dad. But at the same time, he was also very interesting. And, you know, when my dad asked, how are you? You know, you never got away with saying fine. You know, he believed <laughs> that you didn't learn anything or you didn't get to know anyone until the third or fourth question that you asked them. And so my dad was very big in asking the third or fourth question, which allowed him to have very close relationships. And I'd like to think that I learned that from him. You know, I'd like to think that I'm able to continue in his footsteps and I'm able to continue to have authentically close relationships with as many people as possible. And so, you know, when it comes to leadership, I don't know. Some people say a lot of great things. Some people do a lot of great things. Mostly, I just want to be a great friend. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was very emotional for me as well, because you can see all of those things that you said about your father in the way that you live your life. Um, and most people don't know, but my daughter had a head injury riding her bike. And that was a very trying and stressful time for me as a father who loves his daughter very much and just not having that control. But you personally reached out to me, not as someone that works at the company, but as a genuinely concerned person thinking about another human being and what they're going through. And that will always mean the world to me, but you guys showcase that every day and um, people see that people notice that people 
because it's not a show, you're not trying to do it for publicity or anything other than you genuinely care for the people that are in your life. And I'm honored to be one of those people. And yeah, so I don't even know where I'm going with that other than thank you for being you because it does show. And all of the lessons that you were rattling off there that your father had shared with you, you're living it. And so it's such an encouragement to, to see a leader live their best self as much as you are doing. So, okay. I'm going to tangent here because, uh, I'm yeah, getting a little emotional myself, but, uh, other than your father, who do you think, uh, was a big factor in your life that impacted you because yes, we know, you know, your father, we just talked about, and then your mother, but other than your parents, who else do you feel like has had a, a, a profound impact in your life? You know, obviously my wife, right? I mean, there's no person that you spend time more time with and the amount of cooperation that goes into being a parent. You know, you have two different people with probably in our case, two very different childhoods and two different uh, ideas on upbringing that we need to cooperate to make sure that each person is has equal authority, right? At home. And yeah. so being able to negotiate and I guess the, the, the part that I've learned in, you know, just shy of 20 years of marriage is that, you know, Similar to my business partner, like my relationship with Mike probably prepared me for marriage because of his <laughs> partnership. But over the times, I learned to not only value, but like the things I didn't like about my wife originally, right? And so <laughs> in doing that, I learned how to become a better person because instead of being in my world where I feel like my way of doing things is so fabulous and fantastic, come on my boat, it's the best place to ever sail, there are other boats that are going equally as fast, albeit with a different motor. And so at first, my wife's motor, which the aspects of her motor that were different from mine, I poo-pooed, right? Not only did I poo-poo them, I just didn't like them. And I voiced that. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> it was a constant conflict. And then I started to see after maybe a decade, which must have been way too long for her and totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I started to see how those ways of doing things were actually valuable. And then after raising children, I started to actually like those things that were different about us and appreciate them and defer to them and think that they were actually better <laughs> than my way when it comes to raising children. So anybody that can change you, right? That's who you yeah. want to be around, right? You want to be around because if you're going to change yourself, you're changing yourself for the better. Nobody hopefully is intentionally changing themselves for the best. <laughs> so if you're working on yourself continuously into becoming a better person, and I'm taking parts of her and injecting them into me so I can be a better person from my perspective, that means I'm valuing her a tremendous amount. And so in valuing her role in what she does. So I can't say that I was the greatest at that at the beginning. You know, I was full of that properties. I was, we were, we were doing a lot of great things. And then when it came to raising children, I had a lot of empty answers because I had never done that. I was raised from divorced parents. It was me and my mom. My mom did an awesome job, but I was an only child, extremely independent. So when it came to developing family, I had to lean on my wife a ton and rely on her. And she taught me a lot. And that I admire tremendously because a lot of the things you learn in family you know, acceptance and tolerance, right? Your your family, mm -hmm. no matter what, 
And those things, if you can then transfer in your real life outside of family, makes you even a better friend and more reliable and all the things you really want to be. So she helped me be a a much better family member, a much better husband, a much better father. And I think when you talk about leadership at the beginning, all of those things add to one's ability to lead. Yeah, no. The things that I appreciate the most, I might not even have liked 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's for sure and that's funny because yes like i said i'm a father of four children as well and me and my wife are high school sweethearts and we're we just celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary but uh you realize like in the beginning you're you're so different because yeah you you were raised differently you were in different backgrounds all of that and you you're butting heads because you're like no, my way is right. My way is right. And then the time that things actually start working well is when you're like, let me try to understand the other person. How can I serve the other person? And it is not like, oh, I've heard this somewhere. It's like, how do you make a relationship work? Is it 50-50, 51-49, one way or the another? But it's not. It is 100% in service of the other person. And if both people feel that way, then that's when you're going to have the most successful relationships, whether it is family or marriage or business. And uh, I see that with you all the time in every interaction, you're always trying to serve the other person 100%. And I feel like that's been one of your biggest strengths, honestly, is that willingness to serve and give. And that's why, you know, in 2009, you guys established at gives and you guys have supported so many great organizations. And even now we're supporting uh chance, the rappers, social works, uh, because it's such a timely organization and such a, a, a great thing. How did you guys decide to start that organization and why the motivation to do so? Well, Mike and I had always been, you know, both very philanthropic. We both, you know, are, sit on a number of boards and support a lot of uh, non-for-profits, museums, charities, music, uh, everything. And so, and, and we had a lot of agents coming to us. Hey, will you contribute to this? Will you contribute to that? Can you support this? And we would always forward them and make contributions, and it wasn't organized. So we thought if we would organize it and centralize it around one major charity each year and or one major contribution and then have a number of others underneath it, it would, be, it would make it far more – it would do a couple things. One, we would be more organized, and so we'd be able to be more efficient. But two, we would be able to create another subset of app properties within app properties – revolving around giving right and so that's another when you talk about culture and culture development you know knowing how fortunate we are right i mean in this industry you have a great opportunity to build a wonderful life well a lot of people don't have that same opportunity and so remembering about those while we are succeeding together is really important so that allowed us to create the board for act gives back and it created a lot of initiatives we built houses for habitat We've painted rooms in a women's shelter in, in Old Town. We've done so much. And so that reminds us all that there's a component to life called giving. You know, my kids, when they were growing up, I bought them three mason jars for their money. Uh-huh. One was spend, 
one was save, one was share. And if anything, you know, I would want them on their shelf for more symbolic reasons. So in the future, when they're more responsible, they can remember saving and sharing our component of, you know, financial responsibility. Now, you know, I mean, the share is empty. (laughs) uh, You know, saving and sharing, those are two big parts of life, right? If you have the opportunity, I mean, if you are lucky enough to save and you are lucky enough to share, it's a great joy. Yeah, and I, for some reason, and uh, I'm sure there might be a better explanation to it somewhere, but every time I'm struggling, when I give more, I tend to receive more and yet we have this mentality of like, Oh, I can't let go of this handful of sand because this is all the sand that I'm going to get when in fact, like there's a whole beach right behind you. There's like such abundance out there, but like we're stuck in this mindset of like, Oh, if I give, then I'm losing. Whereas you guys have, built this culture of like, hey, you give more, you receive more. And then you living that as an example is just such an encouragement to me and to so many others. When you see something that you would really like to buy for yourself, buy it for someone else. You know, oh man, I don't really know if I could do like that. Uh, a pair of shoes or a shirt uh-huh. and you want that for yourself. You love it. It's kind of expensive. So you don't really want to justify spending that much on something for yourself. Buy it for someone else. That would be incredible. I don't know don't if I would two. find joy. I don't know if I would find joy. Exactly. That's <laughs> I, that. That's how I was going to uh, navigate around that suggestion. But I'm definitely going to try that. Although I enjoy my stuff. So that would be tough for me. Uh, let's see. Man, I the time is flying by and I want to be respectful of your time. But uh there's been so many great nuggets in terms of like just coming from an attitude of serving and being passionate about what you're doing and just everything being relational and how important that is, how important it is to build a strong culture. As you guys now expand at properties outside, I mean, I know we you have already expanded in Michigan and uh, Atlanta and some other markets, but now you guys are building on this initiative to franchise, which congratulations on that. How do you guys anticipate keeping the same type of like culture and or just belief systems of the organization as you look to expand in other markets? You know, those organizations are going to be operated by independent entrepreneurs, So I'd like to give them the tools. We have a long list of things that we do that establish culture through training, coaching, et cetera. And, but I bet they will be different. You know, they're Mm -hmm. going to be their own app properties. They'll have an affiliation and they'll hopefully they'll be similar, but I think they'll have different leadership. So they'll be entitled to their own culture and their own way of doing things. I think the benefits of doing this for us locally, which is really awesome is we create a new revenue stream to create the marketing and technology tools to service the agents here. And then they can distribute it out. So I only think it makes us more competitive here locally in our markets. You know, Lake Geneva, you know, uh, uh, New Buffalo Union Pier, Michigan, St. Joe, Indiana, we're opening office in Shareville. These are all company owned offices. So this is our primary focus. So what's cool is that 
we're building a lot more and faster here that'll make our agents far more competitive here, elevating the consumer experience here so we can distribute it out. So that's the part that I'm the most excited about because I can do more here faster. And then other companies will benefit outside of here and we'll give them the playbook, but they'll be responsible for creating the team and calling yeah, the place. That totally makes sense. And just to to clarify for people that might not know, so you guys are staying on board. You're still going to be running the company the way that it has been going. You're just adding another component on top of it. Yeah, correct? you know, locally, nothing really changes. We brought in Chris Lim. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll bring in another franchise rep. They're going out there and building the relationships. We already built the play. Understand we kind of been practicing for a few years. In Atlanta, yeah. we integrated all With the Ainsley, technology, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so that worked. And so that we knew we could do that. Then with Nest, they had an infrastructure on franchising. So we were able to get an infrastructure and a strategy for franchising. So as like, far as my efforts towards this, that has to do with you know talking with people in different markets over Zoom, you know, seeing if they're a good fit, what their needs are, if we can be helpful. But for the most part, it's more of a, I don't want to say it's a plug and play, but it is kind of a plug and play. We've developed really good systems and tools to what I feel is var- offering far more value from than our competitors. Our competitors, Cobble Banker, Century 21, ERA, Sotheby's, Corcoran, Better Homes and Garden. I don't think that they're offering what we're offering because we're offering, first of all, technology, which no other franchise is offering integrated in-house technology. But that's technology and software. So we hire people to service the software in those markets. The second is marketing. Well, it's all the marketing here that's then repurposed with different imagery for different geographic locations. But again, that's more technology and imagery that's just dispersing the marketing that we're creating here locally. Training and coaching that content, we'll share the videos with Kevin and Amy that they're creating here and some of the content that we integrate with Ninja. And for mm-hmm. culture, we've just documented everything we do culturally. Probably not everything, but you know, 90% of the things we do in order to develop culture. And then growth, you know, we have of growth on organic growth. So we have all the different things of internal messaging that revolves around creating a better magnet for our, our organic growth. So these companies are able to see what we're doing here, and then they'll imp- implement it in their own way. And I think the greatest value is that there's no other brand where it's currently being operated by owner operators. So where if somebody's in Denver, if somebody's in Seattle, if somebody's in DC, somebody's in Los Angeles, if somebody's in Houston, and we're sending them what to do, it's not like we're sending them what to do because we haven't done it yet and we hope it works. Mm-hmm. We're sending them what to do because we're currently doing it and they can watch it and they can watch our videos, they can watch how we're doing it. So it's very much a, pu- a plug and play. And it gives the opportunity, it gives a framework that we believe in for other entrepreneurs to succeed. But I don't think, like when you ask, it was one of the things I struggled with because I thought, how are these going to be exactly the same as Chicago? Yeah. They're not. They're not. And Mm -hmm. they can't be, right? Yeah. There's only one you. Mm -hmm. There's only one me. There's only one Mike. There's only one Joni. But there are people that do the same things that we do in different markets. And they'll have their own spin and they'll have their own ideas and they'll be able to they'll be able to apply those ideas to our our template. And I hope the results will be very successful. I do want to incorporate the love campaign in every single franchise. That is super important to me, and I'm excited about that. 
and the celebration and the commitment to the consumer. Because as I, as I explained earlier, that's what I think has been lost. All of the companies have been trying to figure out how do we excite the agent to join our company? How do we give yeah. them more? How do we, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a mistake because agents are crucially important, but I think you're selling the agent short if you don't think the product the agent's apply and receive from the company and distribute to the consumer is not the most important thing. Some agents will go somewhere for a lower comp, let's say, or some cat model or whatever, Mm -hmm. and try to do it all on their own. And they might like what they do, or they might think it's competitive. But like I said, also, it's about the math. Are they more competitive? And you can tell, is this brochure as good as that brochure? Is this Mm -hmm. sign as good as that sign? Is this listing presentation as good as that one? And if the answer is no, and you say, I'm okay with that, well, that means now you're putting yourself in front of the consumer, and that doesn't last. Yeah, no, and that's why, like, having joined and, like, the attention to all the detail is really what's been most eye-opening to me. Like, even the rolling out of the new signs, I, I can't even tell you how many people have commented about how amazing the new signs look. And I know how much thought you put into that as well. And so you thank but like, COVID for that. That's being at home and trying to figure out how to do everything different. <laughs> we actually are now testing out new uh, reflective on the top bar, which I think will be an improvement. Yeah, no, it, it's it's incredible. And you guys just keep trying to innovate and improve. And that's why you got you know, Inman's Innovator of the Year Award, as well as so many other amazing accolades. But uh, yes, you're so right. If it, if it's not a benefit to the consumer, at the end of the day, you're thinking too short-sighted in terms of the business. And the services that you guys provide in-house, the way you make it so easy and streamlined for any agent to succeed really is... an second to none really. And then it therefore provides a better service to the consumer because it is so uniform. It is so easy to implement with the in-house everything like the video that we have that we can provide for our clients. Now the virtual tours that are a big proponent, the floor plans, all of it. And then the brochures, of course, looking incredible. Like when I go on these presentations, a lot of the consumers are like, wait, I get to keep this. This is actually for me. Like they, they're like, oh no, no, this is this is too fancy to leave. And I'm like, no, this is just every. This is what we want to portray as well as provide to the consumer. So yeah, that's uh incredible. But uh, I guess just to finish up, uh, I know we've talked a lot about just at properties and the business and things of that nature. But uh, if you don't mind me asking just a couple of questions, since I know you're from Minnesota, but you've lived here a majority of your life. What is like your favorite place to go either on a date with your wife or a meal with your family here locally? So meal with family is easy. Bavette's Steakhouse. It's a It's not a classic steakhouse, but the ambiance inside, whether on the first floor or the lower level, they give you a lot of space. It's very dark and intimate. Uh, We do a lot of celebrating there as a family. 
Uh, my wife and I are big into movies, which now is like, we're literally, uh, <laughs> we like, we can walk to three different movie theaters from our house. So uh-huh. It's nice to walk to the theater and go to a movie and then walk home. Uh-huh. Uh, even if it's cold out, we'll bundle up and go. And I miss that tremendously. Yeah. Uh, but we like to go a lot of movies. And so this morning, and I, we all, I like to be active. And so this morning, you know, she, she had to let a client into a house at seven o'clock or a painter. And so we got up at six 30 and just went for an hour walk this morning in the neighborhood, you know, and I love the city of Chicago. I grew up in Minneapolis and Minneapolis is my mom is still in the same house we grew up in. And I haven't been able to get back there because of COVID, but yeah. in Chicago, there's just something special about Chicago. So my, I love running through the city. I go on long 10, 15 mile runs throughout the city through multiple neighborhoods through, you know, Bucktown, Wicker Park, Ukrainian Village, West Loop, uh, Pilsen, Chinatown, back up to the lake. And uh, on an afternoon in the or an evening in the in the spring or fall or summer. And I love it. I love the city. And so I love the more I'm in the in this in this city with the people makes me very happy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you I mean that's incredible that yeah, you guys with four children still decided, you know what, we're going to stay in the city. We're going to support the city and you guys are doing it great. So that's incredible. Let's that see. part is not so bad though. Not so tough. If you're selling a lot of real estate. That's true. <laughs> that part is true too. What is maybe something that people don't necessarily know about you? Cause you're a fairly public figure, but what's maybe something that people would be like, huh? We didn't know that about that. I smoke a lot of cigars. Oh yeah! No way. <laughs> so that's, I did that's not know advice. that. Um, Interesting. And I play a lot of backgammon. So even if you're my children, which a lot of times at night I'll be in the backyard bundled up, even if it's cold. Emily hates uh-huh. the smell of cigars, and yeah. I'll play backgammon with a friend online, and I'll be smoking a cigar, and that's my time. I really don't like to be interrupted. I like to focus on the game. I like to focus <laughs> on the taste of the uh-huh. cigar and i really enjoy that but unless you're with me or a close friend of mine you probably don't know that i smoke a lot of cigars wow <laughs> yes office, you can secretly see that uh, there's uh, three humidors in here that's <laughs> so hilarious and every yes. cigar is counted in case someone comes <laughs> in and takes one <laughs> <laughs> that's also good to know for anybody uh that's that's watching don't try to snag one of those although they got to be amazing so <laughs> young you can take one it's okay uh, i will definitely i actually love smoking cigars too my wife not a huge fan of it and then the taste in your mouth the the morning after uh, I don't love as much, but it's just such a relaxing and enjoyable way to spend an evening or bond with some friends and things or of that nature. So or I, an afternoon, depending. That, whenever that, that's a, that I haven't done. I haven't had a morning I had cigar a ask yet. Me once. So, what's your favorite cigar? And he thought I was joking when I answered, and I thought him, and I go, the first one in the morning. And I wasn't joking because I was like, okay, when you have the opportunity, which is rare on Uh vacation, to have a cigar in the morning before you brush your teeth or anything, when your taste buds are the most sensitive because they've been dull all evening, they've been, you know, nothing. The flavor and what you taste and the impact with a cup of coffee is 
priceless. It's really, huh? I'm going to try that. No way. Next vacation. I'm, yeah, I'm taking a good cigar and I'm going to try that out. I'll let yeah. you know how that goes. It's not so, the faint of heart though. Yes. No, I would imagine that would not be. So, you know, Thad, we're going on an hour. And like I said, I want to be respectful of your time, but thank you so much for coming on and for spending this hour with me. I feel like it was incredibly valuable for anyone that is looking to either grow a business or just they're on the process of getting to where they want to be. Just all the advice that you have imparted and then, oh, actually, you know what? I wanted to ask you one more question. Sure. How did you guys come up with the uh, amazing parties idea <laughs> that you guys that you guys did and yeah, do? Yeah, my mom celebrates everything to the max. So like, if you go to our house on a birthday or Valentine's or Mother's Day, it's like insane. And so, you know, celebrating people, I was, I've been raised, I was an only child, so I was celebrating more <laughs> than anybody in the world. So that idea of celebration and recognition, I mean, if you're going to work really, really hard, you got to be willing to recognize that effort and celebrate that success. And even if you don't have success, you got to be able to celebrate the effort. And so mm -hmm. being creative in celebrations has always been important to me. I never wanted to be of a boring party. Uh, I want to have everything there. And in order to do that, because we have such a variety of people, we have to have a really strong variety of things to do at each party. So there's something for everyone. There's something for the dancer. There's something for the artist. There's something for the introvert. There's something for the foodie. There's something for the alcoholic. You know, there's something for... <laughs> Everybody, everybody that, even have a marijuana section. I don't. Know hey, hey, hey that's right. Cigars, uh, but if it's legal, it's right. Hey, I <laughs> no, those have been so epic and legendary, and even like the movie nights that you guys movie have. nights. I prefer. Yes, I like no, I love movies are expensive, and the offway the the cost of the popcorn and the candy. So it's nice to go to a movie and not have to pay for the ticket and have unlimited candy, popcorn, and soda. That to me is like oh my gosh, yeah, that was like a dream when that happened. When the first movie event that I went with, and now we incorporate. I mean, now we incorporate that too. Is like client events, movie night, great because the events. yeah, All they are the pressure off because everybody doesn't have to talk the whole time. Exactly talk for a little bit. Then go to the movie, say pleasantries, and go home. I I, I totally agree. I'm I'm telling you, I the best way to succeed is just copy your guys's playbook because <laughs> you guys do everything so well. I you can ask my team. I like we're like if it's good enough for Ad to do, then we're going to implement it because everything you guys do not only is so well thought out, but. Uh, the way you make people feel special, the way you guys celebrate wins, the way you acknowledge people is just such an incredible way to do business. My only sadness is that I didn't recognize it sooner in my career and join sooner, but I'm so excited to be a part of it. And so, and then I guess one other thing, um, since I have you, uh, how did you guys decide the, uh, the Rolex club or so awarding I graduated people. from uh college my mom bought me a cartier and my mom is not rich you know on the contrary and so that was a, the most amazing gift i had been ever given in my life and it was far beyond what you would expect my mother to give as a gift 
based on its cost, right? And education was a big deal in our family. Both my parents are PhDs. And so I was never an academic. And so just graduating high school, I thought was enough. <laughs> when I actually graduated undergraduate, and I think it took me seven years, uh, that was another celebration. <laughs> so that made me feel so great when I, yeah. she gave me that watch, right? It made me feel uh -huh. so acknowledged and yeah. celebrated that I wanted to do the exact same thing for our agents. And I felt like it was $10 million for the first one we gave back in 2002. Mm -hmm. It's still $10 million today. Because I yeah. feel like generating a quarter million dollars of gross commission is a serious accomplishment. It doesn't matter if it's 20 years ago or if it's today. And so celebrating that and acknowledging that with someone with a permanent timepiece that you probably wouldn't have bought for yourself is a nice way of acknowledging someone's personal achievement. That's awesome. I have mine on right yeah. now because, and it is it as easy as you, young. Like. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, anyway, not only was it therefore like a huge motivating factor and goal, but it's just such a great thing that you guys implement and just amazing. Everything that you guys do, like I said, this almost sounds like just a Thad Love Fest by me, but it's because it's genuine, like everything that you guys do, I admire so much the way that you and Mike just constantly are giving. And my mentor says it to me as well. You get what you celebrate. So make sure you're celebrating and that you're not that you're actually present in the moment. So even with my team, I try to write a this week's top five so that we acknowledge what we've done, what the agents have done on the team, because it's like, yeah, you get what you celebrate. And we know that there are lots of ups and downs in this business and it can be very stressful. But when you shift that mindset to, hey, we are doing great things. We are helping our clients. We are achieving things that we might not have thought we could achieve. It just, it makes such a difference in their lives. And then it makes a difference in mine because I am now focused on the good things that they're doing, the achievements that they're accomplishing. And so I feel like it's just beneficial for everyone. But again, that's from you guys on down is how this organization is run. And so it's, I just wanted to credit you guys because I would never have done something like that as a leader if it wasn't first done by you. So once again, thank you. I apologize for the extra questions, but those are things that I've been thinking about there for a little bit. So, and I know I can actually call you and ask you, but uh, I'm glad we were able to provide that to the public. And yeah, once again, I appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Chicago Business Review. Guys, if you guys liked this episode, please like, subscribe, comment. It means the world to us. And please, if you could show your acknowledgement for Thad and all the amazing things that he's doing, we would love to see that in the comments. And uh, I'll make sure that I get you guys some at swag for some of the best reviews and comments that you guys leave. So once again, Dad Wong, co-founder and co-CEO of At Properties. And my name is Young Lee, and I am the host of Chicago Business Review. Thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in and watching, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.
Thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. I truly respect your time, so I hope this was valuable to you. And if you're a new listener, then thank you for checking out the show. And don't forget, you can find all the resources, links, and show notes on our Facebook group, Chicago Business Review. Just go to Facebook and search Chicago Business Review so that you can find out all the latest info on future podcasts, get all the show notes, and network with other highly successful and driven entrepreneurs and professionals in Chicago. Also, be sure to contact me while you're over there and share any feedback, questions, or guest recommendations you have as well. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.